0: Hello and welcome to the podcast, English for Life in the UK. This podcast is intended to help people to improve their English and at the same time learn more about life in this country. Today we're going to talk about cinema and film in the UK. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined today by Dave. And Dave is the film programmer, at the Square Chapel in Halifax. I'm going to ask Dave, first of all, to say a little bit about what does that mean? What is the Square Chapel and what is your job?
1: Hello. Thanks for inviting me today to be on the podcast. So I'm the film programmer at Square Chapel Art Centre, which basically means I get to decide what we screen uh, and when we screen it, I get to pick the films and then show them to everyone. So, so yeah, it's a bit like me being in charge of the remote control at Square Chapel all the time.
0: And what is the Square Chapel, Dave, for people who don't know it? Yeah, so
1: we are an art centre, which means we show theatre, cinema, comedy, lectures. Um, we also have a cafe and bar as well, so that people can eat and drink with us before watching shows. So it's a really fun, vibrant place where people can just come and be entertained, really.
2: And also today, I'm joined by John. John, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Mark. Spring has sprung in Halifax. The sunshine's shining through the windows, so yeah, I'm very well. And I think you're you're quite interested in film, aren't you, John? I am. I'm actually a a member at the Square Chapel, where Dave works. So that's somewhere that, pre-Covid, I used to go along quite a lot and... uh, used to watch, yeah, one or two films a week there quite often. Well, I feel as if
0: I used to go to and see films at the cinema quite often, but it feels like for a long time I've watched nearly everything via TV. Um, But I guess we'll talk a bit about that as we go along. So, Dave, just start us off with a little bit of history about film in the UK.
1: So, really, film and cinema came about through photographs So obviously first in the 19th century, uh, people started taking photographs and then they worked out a way to turn that into a moving picture. So it would be a a silent film. People will know of uh, people like Charlie Chaplin uh, and Buster Keaton, who did comedies in silent film. And then they found a way to put sound into film. So they would record the sound onto a, a record like a piece of vinyl, and then match up the picture with the sound. I think they first did that around 1900 in in Paris, I think was the first place to do it. So when that happened, everyone said that cinema wasn't going to be around anymore. People found it too scary having picture and sound at the same time. There was a very famous film of a train going towards the screen, uh, and when that first happened, everyone screamed because they thought a train was going to actually leap out and flatten them all. Um, but then sound came along and everyone started watching musicals. So everyone all have watched films like Singing in the Rain, Song and Dance. And then, like you've just touched on at the start, then everything changes again. So we started to have 3D and 3D came into cinema. So people would wear their um, wear their glasses and and see things like Avatar and, and things like that in 3D. And then now we're in a different realm. So now it's all about um, streaming. So Netflix and Amazon and, and, and things like that. But cinema will always be around. Everyone will always want to share the experience of seeing either a scary film or a, a funny film together in an auditorium, a bit like John does coming to Square Chapel.
0: I guess as well there was a big change in the middle of all that between black and white and color that was a significant move as well was it
1: Yes of course yeah color so so first sometimes they started by hand painting uh the film uh so it in silent film they used to use color to tell you whether it was nighttime or daytime by depending what color they painted the negative in and then eventually they found a way for it to be color like we see every day. Um, they even did a bit of Technicolor, where it was a, enhanced and a bit brighter. Um, but yeah, we still get lots of good black and white films as well. Nowadays, a lot, of, um, a lot of directors like to still play with black and white
0: as well. You get to choose which films uh, come on. How does a film go from being produced to actually finding its way to the big screen as such?
1: Yeah, good question. There's a statistic that says that 1% of films that are ever made get screened in a cinema. So that means that 99% of films that are ever made never get screened in a cinema. So it's very competitive. Um, There's about 30 films a week that I can pick from uh, that come out on a a week-by-week basis. So for some films, they're financed by studios. So Disney, Warner Brothers... Things like Marvel action films, uh, the company like Disney or, or Warner Brothers will pay to make that film, and it will cost them millions and millions of pounds. But for most films, they're made by a director and maybe have a small amount of funding behind it. So for those films, they have to go to a marketplace, a bit like a bit like you'd sell fruit at the market. All the films have to go to market, so they go to places like Cannes uh, in in. France, which everyone will have heard of can Berlin in Germany is another big festival. Uh, Rotterdam is another big one. And they'll go to those places and then you will have people called distributors. So these are the people that then go and buy the films uh, for a country. Uh, A distributor might buy a film like The Personal History of David Copperfield, and then they'll buy the rights to show it in the UK. And then eventually, Further down the line, those distributors come to me and say, Would you like to screen the films that we've brought? And
2: that's where we come in. I found that really interesting. I'd like to ask you when you talk about all these hundreds of films, um, and you obviously curate the films that are shown at the Square Chapel, how do you decide, or how do yourself and the management at the film theatre decide which films are going to be successful, which films that you'd like to show in Halifax? We do audience responses for every film which
1: means that we know quite a lot about the people that come and see films with us so then when someone comes to me and they'll say we've got this great horror film that you might like I can then look at the films that our audiences have seen before and decide whether that is something that's similar so a lot of it is based on that but also we have a lot of I spend a lot of time walking around the bar at Square Chapel asking people Uh, seeing what they think of the films and a lot of the time customers will come to me and say are you going to show this film and Mm. if if enough people say that to me then I go and find it and screen it.
0: And would I be right in thinking that to some extent you would be not necessarily going for what would be called the big blockbuster films, the ones that you know, are going to get large audiences anyway. And the thing, but you might go for ones that are slightly less well known. Or Is there, is there an element in which you're deliberately trying to diversify the, the range of films that are available to people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have two types of cinema in the UK. We have the multiplex, which are places like View and City World. Uh, lots of people might have been to View in Halifax. And they show the big crashy, bangy films. So the, the, the <laughs> ones that spend a lot of money blowing up cars or buildings and um, have lots of action people in them like The Rock, they don't really suit us too well. And actually, their screens are much bigger than ours. So if I want to watch Star Wars, I generally go to a multiplex to watch Star Wars because it's a lot bigger. Whereas for us, we're an independent cinema, So for independent cinemas we show a lot more world cinema, so a lot more films from around the world, uh, lots of documentaries and lots of the smaller films that maybe went to Cannes and then got sold um, through Cannes. So yeah, less crashy-bangy films and more dramas and films from around the world.
0: It is quite a good time of the year for us to be doing this because this is what they often call the awards season. And certainly we've got both the Oscars and the BAFTAs coming up. So let's just talk a little bit about them. John, I think you've done a little bit of research about the Oscars. Tell us about uh, the Oscars.
2: A little bit, yeah. As I say, it's what's known as we're coming into Oscar season. As you mentioned, there's, there are the BAFTAs, which is kind of, Dave might correct me, but I think it's, that's broadly the, the British equivalent of the Oscars. It's the British Academy of Film, Television and Arts. Is that right? They would give awards to American films and to international films. But I think it tends to be uh, skewed a little bit more towards uh, British produced films. Uh, it also covers television, which the Oscars don't currently cover television. The Oscars are specifically really for, for films. To give them the full name, it's the, the, the known uh, as the Academy Awards. These are awards that are given out on behalf of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, to give it its full name. Um, They got the Oscars uh, tag. There's a, a lady who was involved in setting up the Academy Awards in 1930 called Margaret Herrick. She was one of the secretaries on the board. Our listeners will have seen the Oscar statue. It's quite a tall chap with a bald head and she remarked that it looked like her Uncle Oscar so he must have been a tall chap with a bald head uh, and the name just stuck ever, ever since. Uh, so as I said they were set up um, in uh, 1930 right in the midst of the, a difficult time in America in the middle of the Depression. Mm-hmm. They were set up by a, a gentleman called Louis B. Mayer um, who was part of the famously the MGM. Now, I'm sure whenever you've watched films throughout your time in cinemas, you'll have seen the famous MGM um, opening credits with the big roaring lion at the beginning. So he was one of the guys who set up MGM to promote his films and to promote films in general. Quite a difficult time at the film industry. One of the reasons I was reading about uh, Louis Mayer and his um, his particular uh, setup were having problems with the unions and oh. the unions were organising, so they were kind of doing this to promote their idea of how the cinema system should be run uh, and to give it an an air of kind of authority. Um, He set up this very kind of grand awards ceremony. Uh, And it's continued throughout the years. One of the highlights of uh, not just the motion picture calendar, but also it's very, very popular on television. It draws huge television viewers throughout the United States and throughout the world. People always, you know, watching, tuning in to see if the film that they liked has won or the actor or actress that they've um, supported has won, won the award. They award in, I think at the moment, 23 categories. Obviously, the most famous ones are Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress. But they also um, award Oscars for perhaps more technical areas of film. So, you know, Best Music, Best Score, Uh, cinematography and things like that Um, one of the very important things about the oscars is that if you win an oscar even if you're just nominated for an oscar it can be a tremendous springboard to much more success uh, and much higher ticket sales and revenues for that film i think a very very good example of that occurring and we saw it in halifax the 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 film last year that won the film called parasite now, that was a film yeah. that traditionally would have probably been shown in the Square Chapel. It was a South Korean film. But having won the Oscar, it actually went on to be shown at The View in Halifax. So it reached a much wider audience. So it is something that people within the film and picture industry are very invested in. Uh, the awards themselves are voted on by, um, I think it's a, a 6,000 member committee. And these are actors, actresses, producers, directors, people drawn throughout the world of cinema. So it's not something that the public vote on. It is a vote that's taken from people from within the industry. Have you got any tips for this year's Oscars, Dave, for uh, any of the nominations that you can give us? Well, my favourite film
1: that's nominated this year is called Sound of Metal, which is a film about a drummer uh, in a band who loses his hearing and he has to cope with the emotional impact of starting to lose his hearing. So it's a British actor called Riz Ahmed, who's been nominated as best actor uh, in the Oscars this year. So that's a big tip. Also there is Anthony Hopkins, who's been nominated for a film called The Father, which is about dementia. Uh, But really the big film I think people are talking about this year is Mank, which is on Netflix, which is a black and white film, uh, about Orson Welles. It's a bit different than usual because a lot of films weren't released because of COVID, so they've all been put back. So it means that it's a lot of the films that would usually be shown at Square Chapel that have had a bit of an opportunity to be in these
2: big awards um, events this year. We might see a few surprises thrown up this year, then perhaps due to the, the lack of some of the big budget films that have been um, kept back from release. Yeah absolutely there's
1: going to be a lot of uh, British winners as well I think this year there's a lot of people nominated like Carey Mulligan uh, as well so there's going to be a lot of British winners this year and there is actually a an Oscar winner in Halifax the um, sound editor of Bohemian Rhapsody from a few years ago is,
0: is from Halifax. I happen to have watched Bohemian Rhapsody this week on Netflix I'd never seen it before um, I, I thought it was okay not not brilliant, but OK. Um, tell me about, Dave, as an insider, what's your view of Netflix? Do you see it as a threat? Is it an opportunity for different types of films? How do, how do you view the kind of Netflix and streaming?
1: Yeah, so Netflix and cinemas had a bit of a rocky relationship at the start. Netflix didn't let cinemas show any of their films. Um, they wanted people to sign up to Netflix instead. But now Netflix has started letting cinemas show films. So at Square Chapel, we showed The Irishman uh, when that came out. And we had loads of people come and watch that. So although it was on Netflix, we screened it at the cinema as well. And loads of people came and watched it. So I think streaming services like Netflix and Amazon are really good for cinema. I think it will it will really help us in the long run to make people more passionate about films.
0: Um, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about different film genres so we use that word to mean films of a particular style or type um, we thought it would be good for people learning English just to get a, 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 some vocabulary around that. Um, you'll be probably be familiar with quite a lot of it but Dave, tell us what would you say are the main genres, main categories that we might use when we're describing films?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the main genre we have at Square Chapel is drama. So drama will be something that is uh, about history or about relationships. Um, so if you think of films like Darkest Hour, which was about Winston Churchill in the Second World War, um, they always do really well with us at Square Chapel. So drama is very much the main one. You also have horror. So horror is anything that is really scary, that gets you on the edge of your seat. Um, there was a great film that came out last year called Host, which was completely filmed on Zoom, which was about a Zoom meeting that went wrong, a seance that um, where lots of ghosts came out. You've then got children's film. So, or sometimes they call it family film because you take your family to it. Otherwise, it's known as children's film. So something for everyone. If you think of a film like Toy Story, um, that's obviously a film that has lasted years and years. There's then documentary, which is um, not a fiction film. It's non-fiction. So it's about following real people, watching real events. There was a great film called Free Solo about a man that climbed up El Capitan, Uh, without any ropes. There's then got comedy. Comedy is something that makes you laugh. Uh, My favourite comedy is Zoolander. And the last one I wanted to mention was musicals. So they're your big song and dance films. Uh, A big recent one was La La Land. Great fun. A musical puts a smile on everyone's faces. So lots of different genres of film.
0: Where would you put the sort of superhero films that seem to be a big thing at the moment?
1: Yeah, I forgot action films. That's because we don't screen any at Square Chapel, so I always forget about them. (laughs) Um, But yeah, action films are very much your crashy-bangy comic book, big action films where lots of stuff happens. The Rock is always in an action film. Um, So anything that The Rock is in is an action film.
0: (laughs) Perhaps finish by saying a little bit about the importance of cinema in the British economy, because actually lots of those films are actually made in this country aren't they and that we have quite an expertise as i understand it in some of the sort of modern techniques that are used in film
1: yeah so lots of big studios around the country um we're very fortunate in yorkshire because we have screen yorkshire and they invest a lot of money in making films in yorkshire so yorkshire is a great place to live if you want to work in the film industry There's also some big places in London and Cardiff now as well. I think it's the biggest studio complex in the world, I think, in Cardiff. Um, So huge to the UK economy, both in making films, but then the money that people spend going to the cinema too. It's tens of millions of pounds a week, hundreds of millions of pounds a year. Um, So, yeah, really
0: important. And some of the biggest series of films that there have been in the last few years have been made in this country the Harry Potter films being perhaps one of the most famous ones of those and uh, which must have brought huge amounts of money in various different ways into into this country yeah Uh, not least not least because of course it's based on books that are also written by a Scottish author so
1: yeah and they're currently filming the new Batman film with Robert Pattinson in this country so all of the Batman films as well um are all filmed in this country so yeah, we're the best at making films in the world, in this country.
2: Ireland as well is is a, a very big film industry as well, isn't it? There's a, a lot of a lot of the films, I think, where they want to perhaps recreate um, a medieval, non-urban landscape will go to Ireland where there's a lot of countryside. Like with things like Game of Thrones filmed in, in Ireland. It's in, it's in yeah. Antrim. Northern Ireland. Northern yeah. Ireland, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. I forgot about that one, Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, We've we've talked quite a lot about cinema in this country and to some extent in America because of the Oscars. But of course, cinema is worldwide. What would you say about the current state of world cinema, Dave?
1: I think we're in a really great place at the moment because of John mentioned Parasite winning Best Picture at the Oscars last year. Um, Bong Joon-ho, who was the South Korean director of that film, said that when people can... Uh, get over the, the two centimetre high obstacle that is subtitles, that a whole new world will uh, will come to them. And it's so true. Uh, there's a film this year nominated for the Oscars called Minari, which again is about a South Korean family that come to uh, that go to America um, to be farmers as part of the American dream. And there's lots of films uh, that we've had at Square Chapel before. We, show, we showed a lot of... Um, Pakistani films for the community in Halifax and we were working on some Iranian films for the community in Halifax as well which we're definitely still going to do when we reopen again. So it's really important that we show film from all over the world so that people can see what life is like around the world really. America and the UK make most of the films because they have lots of money to do it but a lot of the best films come from everywhere else.
0: say a little bit about the future of the square chapel because this must have been a, a challenging time i would imagine during uh, during covid and um when do you hope to reopen and, and what are the immediate plans
1: yeah so we're really looking forward to reopening again it has been a very rocky time over the last year but we're looking forward to getting going again cinemas are allowed to reopen again from the 17th of may if everything goes as planned So we are hoping to open um, in the next few months, hopefully. We're really ready to get started again. So this summer we'll definitely be open again for lots of films, films and fun at Square Chapel.
0: That's brilliant. Thanks very much, Dave. Language support. Today I'm just going to go over some of the vocabulary related to film some of which was used in this episode but some of it wasn't but which you may come across. So let's start with the basics. We use the word film and cinema. The other word that's often used is movies that's a more American word. Technically the cinema is the building where a film is shown but actually the word cinema is used to mean the whole industry, the whole process. And the same is true of films, so the film technically is the actual individual film that is shown. But also we can use film to mean the industry as a whole. So cinema and film and movies are all can be used to describe the whole of this area of work, this whole industry, this whole art form. Of course you can use the word film as a verb, so to film. Whereas you can't to cinema and you can't to movies, you can make movies. You can go to a cinema, but you can actually film a movie. So some of the other terms, I don't think in this episode we actually used the word director, but the director of a film is probably the most important individual person. They have the overall vision for what the film's going to look like and they guide or direct the actors and the technical crew to make sure that the film happens. Then there is the cinematographer. This is the person who actually does the filming. Well in the past they used to be the person literally behind the camera who did the filming with the camera. These days, they're more often the person who directs a number of people who will be doing some filming with a camera, but increasingly a lot of creating of digital images, a lot of the use of computers. But the cinematographer puts together the images that go to make up the film. Uh, Then there is the editor, the editor is the person who works with what has been created by the cinematographers and then selects and sequences, puts in order the images and the sound to make the final version of the film. And then there is the screenplay which is the written version of the film. Uh, it includes the words that the actors will say, but it also will include directions of various kinds and a descriptions of the scenes in some cases. And the person who produces the screenplay is called the screenwriter. The producer Is the person who plans and coordinates the whole of the film and in some cases is also the person who actually secures the funding gets the the finances to make sure that the film can actually be produced and then be released and finally we've got of course the actors I hope that's fairly obvious but just to make clear sometimes the word actor is used generically to mean all actors male or female sometimes actor will refer to male and actress will be used to refer to female so in the Oscars and the BAFTA awards ceremonies you get best actor and best actress awards that's it for this week I hope you found that useful If you want to find out about the transcript and how to contact us through our website, stay listening for those details. Otherwise, we'll see you again soon. You can find the transcript, that's the written version of this episode, on our website halifax.org.uk and that's where you can also find links to all the other episodes and the transcripts so you can listen and read along at the same time. That's also where you can find out how to donate to help our work. We are a charity supporting particularly Refugees, asylum seekers, and migrants, but also all those in need in our local area. And uh, we would welcome your support if you felt able to give it. If you follow on the website the links to get involved and donate, we also have an email address that's English for life in the UK at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you, your thoughts on our podcast and ideas for the future. We also have a Twitter account at Esol Saint, and there is additional material on that site. I will spell out all those addresses. So the website www.st. A U G U S T I N E S C E N T R E H A L I F A X dot org dot uk. So that's the website. The email is. English for life in the UK at gmail.com and that's English for spelt F O R and finally the Twitter account is at capital E S O L capital S A I N T.